Amen. Well, we are in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 3. So as you're opening up your Bibles to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 3, uh, the Lord's message today is going to be on fear. You know, I do believe that many of us have many fears in our lives. And whatever fears they may be, we know that to us, they are very real. And in looking at, you know, our fears or looking at, you know, the, the, uh, the top 10 fears that we may have in our lives. I mean, you could go through the Internet, you can read books and they, they tell you, you know, various fears that we have. You know, some people have fears of, uh, of spiders. You know, anytime they see a spider, I know my brother who uh, he'll, he'll be here, in a, I think, in a, not next this Sunday, but the following Sunday. He's extremely fearful of spiders. And so you don't have to tell him that when he comes here to teach on Sunday. But, uh, but one thing we know is that there are people that have fear of spiders. There are, there are people that also have fear of public speaking, you know, of getting up before a crowd. And I know that there's somebody that raised their hand. Yes, there are people that are very fearful of public speaking. And I know I was one of those. I could not come before anybody and share it before a crowd. I could talk one-on-one, -on -one, but when it was talking before a, a group of people, it was very difficult for me. We know there are those that have fear of rejection, you know, being rejected, so they don't want to open up to people. They feel that, you know what, maybe they're going to be rejected or, or maybe they're going to be abused or taken advantage of. So, you know, that is a fear also. We know that some have fear of dying, and I think this is a top, in the list of fears. We know that there are people that have fear of dying, fear of death. And we know that, uh, that these things are real to many people. But I want to ask all of you, for the Christian, has God given us a spirit of fear? God has not given any of us a spirit of fear. According to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he gives us a spirit of power. He gives us a spirit of love and a spirit of sound mind and when we think to ourselves what does this mean does this mean that as christians we're never going to have fears because we have this spirit that has been imparted upon us you know that's not what the lord is saying as christians what he is saying is that we have every spiritual resource to face every giant to face every fear to face every trial to face every threat to face every problem, to face every unknown with power, with love, and with sound mind. We have the divine resources that you and I need to face these things, and this is what the Word of God is telling us. You know, when we talk about the first, which was the spirit of power, you know, one thing that we have that God has imparted upon us is a spirit of power. And we know that this power is powers to over, a power to overcome. A power to overcome these, tri uh, these trials, these temptations, these, these, uh, these fears, whatever we may have. This is what God has given us. We have the power to walk in victory through Him. And this is what we have. Second, He said He gave us a spirit of love. When we think about this, what does that mean? You know, not that he's given us a spirit of fear, but of love. When we think about this, it's about a love for God, a love for others that we can face in any, that we can apply, I should say, in any situation that we may face. This is what he wants us to apply in whatever we're faced with, to apply the spirit of love to God and to others. 
And finally, when I talked about a spirit of self-control, or I'm sorry, a spirit of self-control, no, love, power, and sound mind, I'm sorry. When we look at the word sound mind, what does that mean? It does mean exactly what I was sharing earlier, self-control. It's a disciplined mind. And when we think about this, when we think about this disciplined mind, it means that, you know what, we're not going to lose control when we're faced with adversity, when we're faced with these trials, when we're faced with distress, when we're faced with these giants that come at us. God has given us a spirit to control ourselves. God has given us a spirit of self-control. And when we put all these through, uh, together, we have the spiritual resource within us to overcome all these things. They are at our disposal. You know, when misfortune or danger or, or any distress come at us, we have this within us. The problem becomes we forget to use these resources of ours. Or we don't trust or we don't have the faith to use them. And so as we look at fears today, we're going to look at them. We're going to look at this and how to overcome as Christians. And so let's begin to read in verse 1 of chapter 3 in Deuteronomy. It says there, Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us. He and all his people to battle at Idre. You know, when we look at this, when we're reading this first verse, we see here that we are introduced to this Amorite king. And this king's name is Og. And this was just not a king, but this was a giant of a king. And you may be wondering, why do I say he's a giant of a king? Physically, this man was a giant. And if you look at verse 11 of chapter 3, it says there, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the rem remnant of the giants. And if we keep reading, it says, Indeed, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. Is it not in Rabbah of the people of Ammon? Nine cubits is its length, and four cubits is its width, according to the standard cubit. You may be wondering, what are, what are these cubits, and what is this uh, bedstead that he's talking about? This is talking about his coffin. This is what it's describing here. This coffin was 13 and a half feet long and six feet wide. This was a coffin that was prepared for Og, King Og of Bashan. This was an Amorite king. And as we think about it, as we think about what we have here is, is we have this king, this giant of a king and his people coming to battle against the Israelites. See, what was going on here is that the Israelites, they were traveling north. And the reason they were traveling north is they wanted to reach the entry point into the promised land. And then all of a sudden, what happens is they're confronted by this army. They weren't expecting it. They weren't looking for it. They were just, you know what, we're traveling, we're going north. And all of a sudden, you have this mighty army with this giant of a king that's there to battle. And one thing that we know is that it was a sudden confrontation, right? They had no idea that this was going to take place. In other words, you know what? It was just an unexpected confrontation to battle. 
You know, when we think about this, when you think about this sudden, unexpected confrontation, isn't this what happens in our lives? Think about this. You know what? When things happen to us, aren't they sudden? It's something that we don't really expect. It's something that we're not looking forward to. Without warning, we can have what? Unexpected news, right? We can have an accident. You know what? We weren't planning the accident, but all of a sudden it happens. We can suddenly lose our jobs. The job says, you know what? Our boss says, you know what? We don't need you anymore. And what are you going to do? You know what? You have this giant that comes at you, right? This giant of, uh, 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 of, a, of having no job. We can have sudden expenses, right? Some expenses that come to us, we're not planning, and all of a sudden we get a bill for five grand or 10 grand or 20 grand, and what do we do with it? You know, there's people that have sudden tragedies, right? You know, what happens with a sudden tragedy where it's unexpected? You know what, these things that come at us or, or these tragedies that happen, what about sudden heartbreak? You know, where we have a broken heart because of a news that we receive from somebody that we love. You know, we have death in, death in the family. You know, how do we deal with these? How do we deal with these fears? How do we deal with these giants that come? These sudden giants that come when we're not expecting them. You know, many have been well, diagnosed with an incurable disease. How do you face these fears? Knowing that, you know what, that you're going to die one day. Or what about having a disease that dehabilitates us? What do we do then? How do we handle these? You know, do we give up and crawl under a rock? Or are we going to walk in the Lord's strength? You know, let's see what the Lord has for us. Because He has the answer to us. And this is what we're going to be going over in this chapter today. Let's read in verse 2. It says, And the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand. You shall do to him as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon. One thing that we know here for sure, we know one thing that happens here, right? Is when you know that the Lord speaks to Moses to tell him, Don't fear he says there, Don't, do not fear him. You know that Moses and the people, all of a sudden, they must have been just shaking off their boots, right? For the Lord to come to them without them seeking the Lord, right? The Lord goes to them and tells them, don't fear. You know, how scared. I mean, their teeth must have been shot. You know, they must have been afraid of what was going on here. And so we see that. The Lord goes to Moses and to the people and he tells them, you know what? Do not fear them. You know, you look at all these men, right? You look at this king. This king was also an Amorite king. And this Amorite king, he ruled over 60 cities. In other words, he was a mighty ruler. And if he ruled over 60 cities, he had all of his men ready to battle. The Israelites weren't prepared for this. As a reminder, the Israelites had what? Close to 20 million, I mean, to 2 million people, right? They had close to 2, mil, 2 million people. And when you think about this, right? You knew that this king, this Amorite king, must have had enough people 
to come into battle, to come into fight. So as they see this, you know, we know one thing is that God comes to them. He comes to them and immediately tells them, Don't, do not fear. One thing that we know when the Lord says, do not fear, that should bring great comfort to us. And the reason I say that it should bring great comfort to us is that God is saying this because he knows that he's in control of the whole situation. See, it's like us, right, when, with our kids. You know, when something's going on in our house or something unexpected happens and, and all of a sudden you go to your kids and you tell them, you know what, don't worry about it. Why? Because you have things under control. This is the same way it is with the Lord. The Lord is telling them, you know what, I, all things here are under my control. See, there is no one greater than God, and I just want you to know that. There is no one that is greater than God. And I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 8. It says, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. I love this challenge that God has because he first comes out by saying that, you know what, I am the first and I am the last. In other words, there was no God before me and there's no God after me. And he goes on to say, there's none besides me. But if there's somebody that can't proclaim to be a God, then I want them to come forward and I want them to share it with me. We know that there is no other God. We know that everyone or everything that claims to be a God, they are not gods. All we know is that they are just wooden and carved images or things made of hands, but they're not real. Or they're demons that have caused you and uh, deceived you into worshiping them as gods. But the Lord goes on by saying, he says, Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. In other words, I'm in control of everything, he says. I appointed the ancient people. I appointed these people. I appointed King Og. And his people, I set them in place. And as we keep reading there in Isaiah 44, he says, And the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. In other words, you know what? If they're better than I, then let them show these things to you. God is showing them up. And then he goes on to say in Isaiah, he says, Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. See, we have here the Lord saying, you know what? I am the only God. And when I tell you not to fear, it's because I'm in control. See, and these words should bring great comfort to us. You know, as we think about the Lord and the words that he's saying, he's basically declaring himself to be the boss. He's declaring himself to be sovereign, to be mighty, to be in control, to be the only God that there is. And he says, I'm over all things. And who else can say this? See, for us, we know that God is for us too. You and I are just like the Israelites. We're God's chosen people. There's no difference between us and them. We're the adopted children of God. But we know one thing is that we also belong to him, right? We're heirs. We have full, you know what? We have a full uh, uh, receivership or, or full inheritance 
to the things of God, just like the children of God. Because as adopted children, we have the full right as those that are naturally born. If we belong to him, can anyone or anything kill, steal, or destroy us? I want to tell you this one thing is that we do have Satan who tries to deceive us into believing that these things can happen. That they can snatch us away from God. But the enemy of our soul has no power to do this. One thing that Paul told us in Ephesians 6 verse 10, he told us to be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not in the power of your might, but we are to be strong in the power of his might. See, as we are faced with our enemies, as you are faced with fears, know one thing, that in the power of his might, every enemy, every foe that we have will be defeated. That's why we stand strong in his power and in his might, not in ours. And this is what happens to us. Sometimes, you know what, we crumble. Why do we crumble? Because we're not standing strong in the power of his might. See, as we read this, our strength is always in him. Because he is God and we are not. In verse 3, it goes on to say, So the Lord our God also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people, and we attacked him until he had no survivors remaining. See, what we read here is, as the Lord promised, and as the people obeyed, they confronted their enemies. And they attacked King Og and his armies, and they were what? Victorious. That's what the Bible says, right? I want to share something with you as we've been talking here about fears. The answer to overcoming our fears are in these three verses. And you may not have caught them because I didn't want to bring light to them. But I talked to them, I talked about them in generality. There are three ways to defeat our fears. And I'm going to give them to you. See, because one thing that happens to us as people is that you're, you and I will, all, will, from time to time, become fearful. There are people that have anxieties. There are people that have cold sweats. There are people that have the, what, the heebie-jeebies, right, as they call them. There are people that have panic attacks. We know that people have troubles or they have threats, they have attacks. And, and how do they handle them? Are you going to be a defeated Christian or are you going to be a victorious Christian? We can easily be a defeated Christian, right, and crawl under a rock. Or we can depend on others to carry us through or carry us out of a problem. God is saying, you know what? I'm the answer to your problem. If you just allow me to do what I can do. See, the answer to defeating the enemy of our fears is here. I'm going to give you three of them. And if you do these three things, I guarantee you, you will overcome your fears. And they are here. The first one is to trust him. Okay? That's the first one. The first 
answer to your fears is to trust the Lord. The second answer to your fears, the second point that we're going to be talking about, is to obey Him. Okay, that's point number two. Obey the Lord. And point number three is to overcome the fear in His power. Okay? Each and every one of us can do this. Not in your power, because you don't have the power to do it, because that's why you're in the situation that you're in. But we can overcome in Him. And I'm going to explain to you first from what we see here in the Scriptures, and then we're going to talk to you. The first verse, in verse 1, that we read now, we read that a sudden attack came unexpectedly, and they were fearful. Okay, that's what we read in verse 1, right? King Og and his armies, the Amorites, they came suddenly, unexpectedly. And the people were fearful. That's why the Lord said to Moses and his people, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Okay, and then in verse 2, it shows us one thing that God was ever present with them, doesn't it? Because God came to tell them, don't be fearful. See, one thing that we always think is that God is too busy for us, right? Or God is trying to do other things to help other people because, you know what, we're not that important. Understand that you are very important to the Lord. Understand one thing about the Lord is that He cares for you deeply, that He loves you. And this is where He told them, don't fear. They will be defeated by Me. And then in verse 3, we read here that the Israelites, what did they do? They trusted in the Lord. They trusted in the Lord's promise. When the Lord told them, you know what? I'm going to deliver them to you. Don't be afraid. And what did they do? They obeyed the Lord's word, didn't they? Well, how do we know they obeyed the Lord's word? Because they attacked. They didn't kick back. They didn't just say, okay, you know what, Lord? We're going to let them fight us. They obeyed. They trusted they moved forward and confronted the enemy. And they overcame the enemy. They weren't overcome by the enemy. They overcame the enemy. And it wasn't by their strength, but it was God working through them. See, and this is what we need to understand. Whatever circumstance, whatever fears, whatever giants, whatever trials, threats, or problems, all of these Things can be overcome by Him. No one thing that God never gives you more than you can handle. That's what His Word tells us. You will ne never be faced with something that you can't handle. Understand that. We just need to trust, we need to obey, and we need to overcome by His strength. I'm going to share one thing that the world loves to do. One thing about the world is it loves to give you medicine and drugs to what? To overcome your fears, right? They love to do that. They're so eager to prescribe you with drugs. To say, here, you know what? Take these. You know what? You can't handle them. And you're absolute, they're absolutely right. You can't handle them. The problem is, is they're giving you the wrong medicine, the medicine that the Lord wants to give us is His Spirit, is His power. That's what He wants to give us, right? The Lord says, I didn't come for the well. I came for who? The sick. 
He's the cure for us all. Whatever problems you may have, whatever fears you may have, whatever issues you're faced with, the Lord is the answer. See, we need to come to a place of trusting in His Word. We need to come to a place of obeying Him in His Word. See, when you are overwhelmed, when you are distressed, don't let your mind fall captive to those thoughts. See, this is how the enemy works. As soon as you have a fear or a sudden attack that comes before you, what do you do? Where is your mind focused on? Is it focused on God? That should be there, but it's not. Your eyes are right on the enemy, aren't they? They are focused on it. They are focused on that circumstance. They are focused on that attack. Whatever that fear may be, that is where your mind goes. That's where your eyes go. And so what happens there is you fall captive to their threats. And this is why you squirm. And you want to go under a cave, under a rock. Or you want to call people for help. Or you want to take this drug so that it can, what? Get your mind off of it. See, they do take your mind off of it, right? It makes you drowsy and it gives you a high. And you're like, wow, everything's good. But that's not what God has for us. God says, if you were to focus on me and trust in me, then guess what? You would be able to overcome. See, how is it that you and I can focus on God when these fears attack us or these giants come at us suddenly? You know, the, one of the first things you need to be doing is you need to be praying. When you get an attack or you have a fear that comes to you, you want to be praying. You want to be crying out to God. You also, you know what? If, if that's not working, then you know what you should do? Pull out this. This book is living. It is alive. Begin to read it, even though these thoughts are coming through your mind and you're like, these things don't make sense. I can't understand it. Just keep reading. Don't let the enemy make you believe that there's no power in what you're reading. He's telling you, you know what? It doesn't make sense. It's not talking to you. You know what? God doesn't have anything to say to you. It's not taking away these fears. These fears are still there, so stop reading. Put your mind back on the problem. You know what some ladies do? And I've heard this. When they have an anxiety attack or a fear attack, you know what they begin to do? They put on worship. Did you know that King Saul, whenever he was attacked, he had a, he had a demonic spirit that would just annoy him and it would just drive him mad, it's, he says, the Bible says. And did you know the only thing that would soothe him was what? Was worship. It would take out these spirits that were oppressing him. It would drive them away. Whenever you have anxieties or fears, begin to sing worship songs or maybe play worship songs. See, this is what God is asking. This is what God is sharing with you. God wants our focus to be on Him. 
We know that many will cave under their bed. They'll put the blankets over them. And they'll cry themselves to sleep. Or they won't want to focus on anything but their problems. Or they'll take drugs to help them forget. Whatever you do, your focus must be on the Lord. Because if it's not, you will fall. This is where the Lord tells us. You know what? I want you to trust in me. I want you to obey me. See, whatever is going to bring you the power and the strength to overcome your fears, to overcome the attacks, these giants, he wants you to go after it. Whether it be praying, whether it be reading the word, whether it be putting on worship songs, whether it be you singing worship songs, these things will help you. What I want to share one thing to you, and this is what is so amazing to me. When I read this, it came to me after I read this. As I was going through this and I was preparing for the study, it hit me after. And what hit me was the fact that the Lord came to Moses when he was fearful. In other words, what God is telling us here is that when you're fearful, I come to you. Moses, they listened. Do we listen to God? If we belong to God, you think that God is just saying, you know what? You're one of my children, but you know what? I don't have time for you. He doesn't say that. Do we say that to our own children when they're fearful? When they are fearful, what's the first thing we do is we go to them, don't we? And we begin to comfort them and we begin to tell them, you know what? It's okay. This is the same thing that the Lord does. And our kids, when we hear our parents telling us that, what do we say? Are the kids, what do they do? They begin to, oh, you know what? I feel so good. Thank you. you know, or, or I love you, Mom. Or, I love you, Dad. And, and they're at peace, right? Because they're listening to our voice. This is what God did with Moses. As soon as he was fearful, God went to Moses and began to tell him, fear not. The problem is, is that many of us, we don't listen. We don't want to listen to him. We want to allow the problem and the issues and the giants and the fears. We listen to them, but yet we won't listen to the Lord. It's a shame. The answer is here, but yet we don't want to listen to him. We don't want to come to him. See, we as a people need, as Moses did, as he listened, he obeyed. He did exactly what God told him to do. You know, what is it that God is telling us to do? We are to have faith in him. One thing about fear and faith, know one thing that fear and faith are opposites. They don't go together. See, one thing about fear is that if you exercise fear, then you know what you're lacking? Faith. And when we exercise fear, I mean, and when we exercise faith, know one thing, you won't fall captive to fear. See, both are opposites. And we need to come to a place of having faith 
and not fear. And this is what God is sharing with us today. See, if we are walking in faith, believing in the word of God, believing in the fact that God will not allow anything to destroy us, to overwhelm us, to overtake us, he will always give us a way of escape, then no one thing that we can overcome the problem that we have. Nothing can ever separate you from God. Whatever fear you may have, whatever giant you may have, whatever attack you may have, whatever sudden encounter you have that you didn't expect, know that none of that can ever separate you from God. If you belong to God, if you have given your heart to Jesus Christ in faith, nothing can separate you from him. And I want to read this to you. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, we have some beautiful verses. If you ever feel fearful, because it's always a feeling. Remember, you are being led by your emotions. Fear is an emotion. Understand that. Fear is an emotion. And you've allowed your feelings to take control. So whenever you begin to be fearful, one of the best chapters and verses to pull out is here in Romans 8.31. So for those of you, highlight this verse. Put a, a crease on your page. It's okay to bend your Bible. And let me read it to you. It says in verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Here we go. These are the things that happen to us, right? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Let's jump down to 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, those fearful of death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. We're talking about demons. Nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Doesn't this bring you great comfort? That tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword can never separate you from the love of God. There's nothing to be fearful of. If God loves you, if God is for you, who can be against you? Who can't condemn you? The devil can't condemn you if you belong to God. You may believe his lies, but he can't. And this is what we need to rest in. This is what we need to believe in. See, don't let fears paralyze you or destroy you. They don't have the power to do it. God has the power to squash them. Just like he did King Og, the giant, and the Amorites. 
He destroyed every single one of them. And so let's keep reading as we go back to Deuteronomy 4. It says there in verse 4, it says, And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, besides a great many rural towns. And we utterly destroyed them, as we did to Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But all the livestock and the spoil of the cities we took as booty for ourselves. What's so amazing about this great victory that uh, Moses and the Israelites had is that not only did they defeat the king and his army, but they went into the 60 cities. And we know one thing about if you're a smart king or a smart general, what are you going to do? You're not going to put all of your men to battle, right? You're going to leave somewhere behind to guard the 60 cities. And the men that were left behind, they were defeated. And he's saying, you know what? These cities weren't just any normal cities. These cities had high walls. These cities had large gates. These cities had bars. And how were we able to get in there and defeat our enemies? By the power of God. That is what's so amazing. These cities were not easy to conquer. They had their fortified walls, their fortified gates, their fortified walls, bars. But they weren't strong enough for the Lord. They were destroyed as the Lord promised. They believed in the Lord. They acted upon the word of God. And we know one thing. The only ones that survived were livestock. And they took the livestock, which was thousands and thousands of sheep, cattle, goats, herd, whatever it was. They took it all. As we keep reading in verse 8, it says, And at the time we took the land from the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, who were on the side of the Jordan from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon. The Sidonians call Hermon's Sirion, and the Amorites call it Sinir. All the cities of the plain, all Gilead, and all Bashan, as far as Salke and Idere, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Indeed, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. Is it not in Rabah of the people of Ammon. Nine cubits is its length and four cubits its width, according to the standard cubit. This is what's so amazing is that the Lord defeated this great king as well as this great army. This would give the Israelites confidence in the Lord that if he did this with these, he could do this with anyone. As we keep reading in verse 12, it goes on to say, 
And this land which we possessed at that time from uh, Roer, which is by the river Arnon, and half the mountains of Gilead and its cities, I gave to the Reubenites and the Gideites, the rest of Gilead, and all Bashan, the king of Og, I gave to half the tribe of Manasseh. All the region of Argob with all Bashan was called the land of the giants. Jair, the son of Manasseh, took all the region of Argob as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Makarthites and called Bashan after his own name, Habath Jair, to this day. Also, I gave Gilead to Maker and to the Reubenites and the Gadites I gave from Gilead as far as the river Arnon, the middle of the river, as the border, as far as the river Jabok, the border of the people of Ammon. The plain also with the Jordan as a border from Shinareth, as far as the east side of the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, below the slopes of Pisgah. Then I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All you men of valor shall cross over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel. But your wives, your little ones, and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall stay in your cities which I have given you, until the Lord has given rest to your brethren as to you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them beyond the Jordan. Then each of you may return to his possession which I have given you. You know, as we... As we go through this, you're probably wondering, what is going on here? We had 12 tribes, remember. 12 tribes, these were the tribes of Israel. Well, you have two and a half tribes here that say, you know what? We don't want to cross the Jordan. We don't want to go into the promised land. We like this land where we're at right now, where we defeated these Amorites. And what we want to do is we want to stay here. We want our livestock to stay here. They wanted to take something outside of what God promised the people of God. See, the promised land was Israel, right? But these people didn't want Israel. They wanted to be outside of what God promised them. And this was because their livestock were great, and they said these lands are great for our livestock, See, these people, these two and a half tribes, they were seen with their eyes. And as we know that our eyes can easily deceive us because our eyes can easily fall into our feelings and our emotions. These people took less of what God had for them. These people were not in God's perfect will. These people were in God's permissive will. See, God's perfect will is to do as he says. And God's permissive will is allowing us not to do as he has willed, as he has said, as he wants for us. This is what these two and a half tribes did. Instead of going into the promised land, the land of milk and honey, they took second best. You know, we had a sermon on this before talking about God's perfect and permissive will. But one thing about God's permissive will is you're settling for less than what God has for you. 
You're, you're settling for limited blessings versus what God has for you. See, this was not God's plan for his people. He wanted the 12 tribes where? In Israel. But two and a half of them wanted to be what? Outside of that. They were outside of God's will. And one thing that we know is that when you are outside of God's will, it's always going to be short-lived. It's never eternal. One thing that happened to this to these two and a half tribes, you know that this land never belonged to the Israelites? They lost it. Today, it belongs to the country of Jordan. See, these two and a half tribes, it only lasted for a while. They didn't keep for their ancestors and their descendants the things that God had for them. See, none of us want to be in God's what? Permissive will? Who here wants to be in God's perfect will? I think we all want to be in God's perfect will. So let's keep reading on. In verse 21, it says, And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass. You must not fear them, for the Lord your God himself fights for you. What I love about this verse in verse 22 is to hear from God that he fights our battles. This is what's so awesome. See, you and I do not fight our battles. Our battles are fought by the Lord. You know, whatever fears you have, whatever giants, whatever tragedies, whatever problems, know that God himself fights these battles. See, we all stress out and we're all trying to overcome these issues that we have instead of just resting in the Lord. And allowing him to fight your battles. You and I can struggle all that we want. And we can try to defeat the enemies that we have. But it's all wasted time and effort. Because you and I are not strong enough. We get so overwhelmed with them. But if we listen to this verse... If God is truly in control of the lives of his children, then let him do what he can do best, which is to fight our battles, to defeat our enemies. You and I are not commanded to fear them. You and I are commanded today to trust, to obey, and to overcome in his power. That's all God is asking us to do. How simple is that? Trust in me. Have faith in me. Do as I say. And you will overcome these things in my power. Because I'm going to fight them for you. I'm going to take care of them for you. This should bring us great rest. See, this promise, as he was talking to Joshua, it's not only for Joshua. And many may say, but you know what? This is only to the Jews because this is in the Old Testament. This isn't for the church. You and I are part of the church, right? We're not Jews. Unless one of you are Jewish in here. But most of us, I think, are what? Are the church people, right? You and I are the church. God, the Lord tells us, tells his church, you and I, in his word, in the New Testament, that greater is he that is in us 
than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. We read in Romans 8, 37 that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Meaning, if you are a conqueror, that means you're an overcomer. That means you are victorious in the Lord. There's nothing that can defeat you. And we are also told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, that we will have victory through him. See, in reminding Joshua, it's also a reminder for us. The Lord was telling Joshua, you know what? Look at how I defeated both of these enemies, both of these mighty kings. Know that all the enemies that you have in the promised land, they also will be defeated. When it comes to the promised land, know that the promised land isn't heaven. This promised land that the Jews went into is not heaven. I want you to know that because there was hardship and battles and fears and giants and enemies. All it was was a, God, a land that God promised to them. And in that land, God promised to give it to them. And what he wanted them to do was to rest in that land. See, you and I, we rest in Christ now. We don't have the promised land, right? But you and I have Christ. And his word tells us that you and I are to rest in Christ. He is a promise for us. For the New Testament church, for you and I. And I'm going to read to you from Hebrews chapter 4. It says there in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, meaning the Lord's rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Are you coming short of resting in Christ? He says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Why weren't they resting in the Lord? Because they were lacking in faith. They were lacking in believing the truth of God. This is what happens to us. When we allow fear to overtake us. When we allow the giants that come in our lives to beat us around, to beat us up, to make us walk around moping with our shoulders bent in and our faces beat up. You and I have the power of God living in us. The power of the Spirit of God, the love of the Spirit of God, the sound mind of the Spirit of God. I love the command that the Lord gave to Joshua when he was going to take the promised land. It's in Joshua 1.9 and it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The comfort of knowing that God is with you. The comfort of knowing that God is there with you, just like he was with Moses. 
speaking to Moses, don't be afraid. The words that he tells us, if we're listening to him, I am with you. Do not be fearful. The Israelites are no different than us. Joshua, Moses are no different than us. He was asking them to rest in him, and that's what they did. And this is what God is asking us, to rest in Christ. Do not allow fears to consume you or overwhelm you or to destroy you. But as a child of God, rest in the promises that he gives us here. When we read Romans 8, 31 through 37, those are promises for you and for me. Let's finish up this verse, I mean this chapter. In verse 23 it says, Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes towards the west, the north and the south and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause him to inherit the land which you will see. So we stayed in the valley opposite Beth Peor. The Lord allowed Moses to be a part of the victories against these two Amorite kings. And so Moses said, you know what? This is great. God is conquering and I'm being a part of it. And as we're conquering these nations, going into the promised land, Moses thought to himself, then, you know what? Then God, you're going to let me go in. So, God, so Moses pleaded with the Lord. He kept pleading, you know what? Let me in. And the Lord became angry because the Lord had already passed his judgment, his chasing on Moses. And the chastening and the judgment on Moses was because what? He disobeyed God. He misrepresented the Lord. Remember when the people were thirsty and Moses was told to speak to the rock. And Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He struck the rock. Not only once, but he struck it twice disobeying the commands of the Lord, misrepresenting the Lord. And because of this, he was not allowed to go into the promised land. Some said, you know what, this is severe. Why should it be so severe that he not go into the promised land? You know what, when you sin, when you disobey the Lord, there's going to be consequences. And these were his consequences. But he pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord was angry. And so the Lord told him, okay, you know what? I will let you do one thing. Go to the top of the mountaintop and look to the west, to the north, to the south, and to the east. And I will allow you to see the promised land. 
That's as far as it goes. But what I'm going to do, or what I want you to do, is I want you to encourage and to strengthen the man who will take them into the promised land. And that man was Joshua. Moses had already done so before, but Moses needed to continue to do this until his final days. What this talks to me about is that you and I need constant reminding not to be fearful, not to fall prey to giants, not to allow these fears to overwhelm us, to destroy us. We need to be reminded of the truth of God, just as I am reminding you how to overcome these fears by trusting, by obeying, by overcoming in His strength. We can all lose sight of God and we can all put our eyes on our fears. But we know that through His glorious word, He has given us the truth to now live out. As a child of God, know one thing, that you and I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. You don't have a spirit of fear. Allow God's power, allow his divine resources that are in you to work. Trust him, obey him. Don't listen to the lies of the devil because you will never have rest and God wants you to rest in him. That's why Christ was sent, so you and I can rest in him. We can be overcomers, and we shall not be overcome. And with that, we will close. Lord Jesus, we just thank you today for reminding us about fear. Lord, many of us here walk in fear. Many of us here don't have any rest. Many of us here don't trust you. Many of us here don't obey you. Many of us here can't overcome. Your word today has revealed the truth. And Lord, help us to meditate on it. Help us to allow your word, the truth that we heard today, to take deep root within our hearts. If there's any here, the only way to overcome is first of all, you need to be a child of God. If you are a child of God, then you can walk in victory. If you're not a child of God, then you can't walk in this victory. If any of you, first of all, want to surrender your lives to the Lord, if there's anyone here that wants to commit your life to Jesus Christ by faith and receiving all the promises and the blessings by faith, you can do this now. 
You can do this by raising your hand and we will pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? We're going to pray for these two that first raised their hands, committing their lives to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord, for speaking to them. Their desire, Lord, is to be one with you. They don't want to be beat up anymore. They haven't had rest in you. By faith, they are coming and surrendering to you, knowing that the victory is on the cross. The victory was done by you when you defeated death. Lord, help them. Help them to be overcomers as you deposit your spirit within them. We know that it is a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. It is a power to enable and to empower and to do all things through you, to defeat the enemies of their soul. I want to just now ask those that have fears, those that have allowed the enemy, the giants, to have a heyday in your life. And you want the power of God, the strength of God, to help you overcome these giants, these attacks, these fears. If this is you, raise your hand, and we will pray for you. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Lord, as people humble themselves before you, Lord. Only you can do it, Lord. We know that you never resist the humble. We know that you embrace them. We know that you love them. We know that you will never separate yourself from them. Only you can deliver. Your ministry was to break chains. And they have fears. May you break these chains. May you deliver them from this unrest. As they've come to you, Lord, asking. And we know that you will never forsake. Lord, be with them. Remind them of trusting, obeying, and overcoming. For we know that this is the way to be victorious over our enemies. May we not listen to the voice of our enemy, but may we always listen to your small, still voice. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for today and your message. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.